Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ceramics Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's me and Gus. We're um, in isolation. We're cooped up. Which is finally I'm in my, what, what we've I'm been in my bedroom. <laughs> awesome. Your, is this your dream to be in quarantine? No, uh, I thought, I kind of thought it would be, but um, it turns out that I'm afraid of everything, so I'm just scared all the time now. Um, <laughs> but if I could be semi-quarantined, I don't like being at home. I like being at my studio. Yeah. Uh, but I have a big studio building, and it's been really busy. So I, I stop, I'm not going anymore, at least yeah. for now. I, on the other hand, have a smaller studio building um, and it's not, no one's here. So I'm pretty lucky to be able to come to my studio and not see anybody for at all. Yeah. For days and days and days, which is everybody's in the same situation. I've only seen my boyfriend crew in like four or five days. And yeah. um, I mentioned that to him this morning and he was like, I know, isn't it so great? Oh, that's so sweet. And then I punched him in the face. <laughs> what about your roommate? My roommate um, and I are, I think, uh, starting to wear on each other a little bit. Um, my roommate is the uh, famous ceramicist Anders Hamilton. And, <laughs> and he, you said it with well, a hard A. Yeah, like, it's not Anders anymore. It's Anders. Yeah, he he loves it when people call him Anders. Oh, no, don't yeah. do that. Call him Anders. Call him Anders. Um, Jk. He's uh, I can hear him right now. He was on the phone with my with our dad. He's now on the phone with our mom. <laughs> um, and we are. He's in the same boat. He's not going to his studio. Um, so we're. I'm making some. I'm making drawings on the kitchen table. Okay. He's been pruning his little bonsai trees. Um, I mean, for how how long? I don't know. I swear he worked, on it. he worked on it like he was there sitting with him for at least an hour. And I only heard the scissors go once. Um. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. Uh, talk art. Talk art. Talk. Shit. Talk art. Right. Talk art, yeah. And yeah. Grayson Perry was on. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and guess what? Guess who uses the decal printer like a champion? Oh, Grayson Perry. Yeah. He was yeah. like, as soon as that thing got invented, it like opened up his whole body, his whole way of working. Yeah. I So I listened to that that podcast episode too. And then, um, but one of my favorite things to, like I, I probably listen to it like once a year and I tell students to listen to it a lot is, his wreath lecture series from, I don't know when they're, they're old now, like maybe 2008 or something, but it was nice to listen to this interview and think back on those lectures that he gave because he's really like, uh, his opinions have pretty much all stayed the same. Like he's got really like firm beliefs about art and about his work in a way that I really like. Because I feel like mine changed so much and so quickly. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that, I think like you're allowed to change your mind. Like I've changed my mind about a ton of things that I would 
have like scoffed at when I was younger. Yeah. That I'm like embrace it now, like a hundred fifty thousand percent. Yeah, um, it was cool like that stocks. Dude, you have you're wearing you're wearing Birkenstocks right now. I, yeah. I like it. Are those your house shoes? Yeah, these are my house shoes. Okay. Yeah. That's another on video. So while we get to see each other, um, you don't get to see him laying in his bed. Yeah. In his house shoes. My brother's using the living room. He's on the phone with with our dad. Oh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, and Cammy's in her studio. Do you want to talk about what you're doing creatively? I'm making some drawings, which is kind of fun. So what are you doing drawings of? I'm making colored pencil drawings that are kind of, um, kind of like the paintings that I normally make on ceramic tile, but um, a little bit, it's like some, some of the things that I've been wanting I'm like trying to work out some of the ideas that I've been planning in a way that's quicker. So um, I'm still sort of treating them as like full finished drawings. So they're still taking longer than I thought they would, but it is, okay. it's so much faster than doing it on a ceramic tile and then firing it. Um, oh, wow. So they're like little, you know, little scenes. There's a lot of tile happening. There's some weird K2 ski graphics from the 80s happening in one right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What are you working on? I, um, so since I don't really have anywhere to be and nothing to do, I always wanted to um, carve my own paddle for ceramics. I've never done it in all my history with clay. And so I watched some videos and then carved a paddle. And it took about nine hours in total. And it it looks okay for the first one. I mean, I learned a lot and what I would do differently. But now I feel like I got to uh, make some stuff to try it out. I haven't actually tried it yet. So I'm really oh, yeah. excited. I'll put I'll put some pictures on Instagram of the finished results. Are you going to put your pictures, your drawings on Instagram or no? So we I will. See. Yeah, I will. But now I, I, yeah, now I got to keep working on them. We talked a little bit about um, putting stuff on Instagram. Do you, do you like put your freshest, newest work on Instagram? Like all the time. Do we talk about this before? I don't, I don't think we have, but I, yeah, I've been thinking about it because I, I post a lot of stuff in progress and then I, I try and wait until I have work in a show to post some pictures um, just because I think it's nice to like be able to show a bunch of stuff and get people to come out to see stuff oh, right. when possible. Yeah. But um, I've been combing through old images and, and sharing stuff just because I'm bored lately. Um, oh, yeah, I like. But like, I was posting some work from this summer, like that. I posted a piece a couple of days ago that was from this summer. But something like drawing, like I'll post the pictures of these drawings. Right. Um, and I'm gonna. I brought some clay back to my apartment, and I've got like a little balcony. So I'm gonna. I'll. I'm gonna make some small sculptures again for the first time in a long time. Um, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Do you okay. you share a lot of your work right online? Uh, okay. So I do and I don't like, 
I just put a bunch of photos up today of my new work that I was going to show it in Sika. So yeah, I know where it's going to go. So I put it all up, but I didn't show any of it until today, like for months and months and months. But like the pots and stuff that I make as demos, like I'll show all those all the time because they're not, yeah. you know, I don't feel they're not proprietary. You know, they've I, feel yeah. like I did them as like part of a part of class. So it's not everyone's already seen it. So it's like it doesn't, you know, it's already sometimes out I'll, I'll also use it almost as like a way to. Uh, like I'll if I've if I've got something that I really like, I'll like post it so that I can be like, so that it's like out there, there's like a record of it, like, oh, okay, yeah. Gus did it. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Gus um, did it on this date. We, yeah. we talked to Keith Simpson about, our guest today on the podcast, we talked to Keith Simpson about posting on Instagram and because the technology happens so fast and he's so into 3D modeling, it's interesting to hear him talk about it because he's working with something where like, um, and I think he even talks about this in the interview, like there's so much work that goes into just like testing and figuring stuff out. Um, and if you post an image of like the exact setup of his printer, people can just like glean so much information just from that, <laughs> uh, that he has to be careful about like what portions of it he's sharing as he's like trying to work these things out. Crazy world. Um, great. Well, should we should we go to the interview? Yeah, one hundred percent. Here he is, Keith Simpson. Okay, now I'm recording. How about that? I'll like warn you. Yeah. Um. And I I killed a guy. But it was a mistake. You guys like have a theme song is there like music that like yeah. comes on at the yeah. beginning yeah it actually is a very it sounds really real yeah, yeah. it's a pretty i mean it's... we're getting there it sounds like a good it sounds like it's gonna be a good podcast but then when you actually hear it you're like this is a real disappointment yeah that's <laughs> kind of you... been the vibe so far but who does like uh do you have listeners yeah, we have none because yeah. it's not uh, available. No one, no. you can't get it. We listen to podcasts. Yeah. How many have you recorded? We have about six. Six. In. How many yeah. you're going to, to record before you? We have. I don't think we'll ever put it out. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're just yeah. going to keep asking favors of our friends to be on. Yeah. Help with this and that. Make we make the music sure, and then. And then we don't do anything. We're gonna have a launch party, but we'll probably not put any out for that either. It's gonna be it's gonna be on iTunes, like it's gonna be on the not just iTunes, that Spotify, whatever. It's called like in the ceramics podcast. Yeah, Yeah. like with a capital T, like 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 the Ohio State. Yes. Yeah. I told one of my students ceramics podcast was too vague. Yeah. I looked at a list of thirty ceramic podcasts the best 30 ceramic podcasts wait what? <laughs> it was not a thing i just googled it yeah no well, i was waiting in the car for you guys to show up i'm really sorry oh no um and tales of the red clay rambler number one the potter's cast number two uh no it wasn't there no the <laughs> potter's cast was the ceramics podcast i kind of see you at this point as sort of like an inventor of everything like you're the great tester of ceramics 
Like if somebody has a question at this point, I feel like you may know the most. I'm not sure if there's someone who knows more. Is that hard for you to know so much? <laughs> it is really hard. The uh, No, I think there is this like kind of, there's a cluster of people within the ceramics community that like, that, that really grab on to this kind of identity as like the ceramic wizard. And they really want to talk to people um, about their problems and really want to say, aha, you're thinking about this completely wrong. And I have all the answers. And I definitely am not that. And I don't want to be that at all. But um, what I like to do, like I look at a lot of students' problems. Like when they have an issue, they're like, why didn't this thing come out the way that I expected? And what I like to do is um, kind of like look at it and think it through with them. And sometimes it's like a really simple solution. Like we were just talking about that mang manganese aluminum yep. pink stain. And, um, and students always like wondering why it makes their glaze matte. And um, like, do you can you think of anybody specific that ran into that issue? There was this guy, Kevin Comaco, <laughs> just texted you about it. Did you seriously? Yeah, and you were like zinc, and I was like, damn it. And you were, and then you were like, if you just look at the thing on the website, it says what not to use. And then I went to the Mason Stain website and saw not for use with zinc. And then I was like. Yeah, I didn't even know that that reference guy existed until... <laughs> well, that's the... Thanks for this beer, it's really good. Yeah. The, uh, that's, the, that's the funny corner of the job, too, is that, like, um, like you'll get a student, like, who will be like, oh, you know so much, thanks so much for all the help and stuff, and really it comes down to... I was working with a friend, uh, my friend Moe's, um, and... Uh, he saw me really struggling to take a picture with this new camera that I had and I was like trying to figure out um, the settings and he asked me if I'd considered reading the manual <laughs> so that's what it is more than anything it's usually it is like it's it's telling people that same thing like pointing pointing people towards a book or the pamphlet or the yeah. information you know yeah but yeah, like it's and it's more valuable to know like where to look for something. Yeah, than it is to like have a bunch of facts just yeah cluttering your head. But that's like a lot of times I think like when I've reached out for to people for help with stuff, they they do like want to give me the answer just to like you know flex their ceramic knowledge muscles. But when I was calling you like in the fall trying to get help with glazes, you did a good job of. Like, I didn't understand how the stole chart worked at all until I finally talked to you. Did your glazes ever work, though? Because sometimes yeah. there's this kind of disconnect between what you actually need yeah. out of it and the theory, yeah. No, it it got, yeah, things got a lot better. And it turned out we were having, like, a the clay body was starting to flux out that was, like, changing. It, it had something to do with something in the clay. Hmm as well so we switched clay bodies as well and that helped a lot but yeah it did it did help and it like helped to actually understand what i was trying to do but would you ever teach a glaze calc class gus i've taught like 
kind of I've taught like community ones yeah but which is like a much like pretty much people want to know how to make a base glaze and then add every mason stain other than they want to like just be able to take a recipe and then add color yeah to it yeah yeah so like I've taught those where we like sort of roughly talk about what's happening but yeah I mean how did you like was it weird when you first started teaching them because I don't like I don't know enough to teach like a real like a college one um I think that I don't think anyone does yeah Cammy hired Cammy got me my first glaze class at Pratt I mean are you blaming me or are you kind of well, kind of like it's been this opportunity, like, but it kind of like somehow I also kind of like I think that also somehow I'm getting I've been partitioned in my teaching into like technical roles, you know? Yeah. So like when you're kind of in this box, you just kind of you you figure out how to do it at the level that the students are like ready for it. And at Pratt, it really was a lot like that, like where we were looking at base glazes and we were adding colorants and learning about ways of blending clays and glazes to like make new recipes and test things um but i feel like that that you took it very seriously and you basically wrote a book about making glazes at pratt i feel like that really prepared you for the job that you have now the um so i went from pratt and then i went to Alfred and then after the first year I was teaching the materials class along with John Gill Fun. and uh, um, and I was so nervous that like that I didn't know what I was talking about because I've never this is the thing I, I think really it is I think it really is that like I don't know if you've worked in institutions before but if you actually get to know people that are in whether they're the dean or like the head of the chair of your area, I'm not saying anything about you, Cammy, but <laughs> the uh, oh, um, or like it, really, it is like no one really knows what they're doing. Everyone's been put into this position that's probably just a little bit. It's the, asking them to do something that they're not completely familiar with, and they're yeah. just learning how to do it on the fly. Like, the only people that aren't like that are people who, like, astronauts. And hopefully the people who are, like, flying Do you think the planes, astronauts are, like, also a little bit, like, uh, You gotta wing it a little bit. Yeah. But, but like, I, mean, I read most of the manual. There's a couple different things that can happen when you get the job. And, like, one is, like, I got the job and it's a status thing and you can be really thrilled. I got the job. I've made it. And then you just kind of, like, show up and do whatever you want. And just, like, the job is the goal. Yeah. But maybe there's this other alternative where you like you have the appointment or the job and then you're just like, okay, now it's time to get to work. Yeah. And so I didn't know how to do that stuff. So like I I read and read and read and read. Um I've never worked I've never worked harder than like the first semester of teaching glaze calc. Yeah. Um and then I also had really smart kids in my class who, uh, you know, Alfred attracts students who've already been exposed to these things. Yeah. So they can see through it when you, like, <laughs> haven't fleshed something out or, like, or even um, they can be really opinionated about something that, like, sometimes when we learn about uh, something technical, 
in order to get to the abridged awareness of the whole thing, we kind of state things as fact, as though they're, but sometimes there's fudge room, like everything's a little bit wiggly. Um, so, uh, you know, people teaching glaze calc sometimes will say that there's a, there's a set flux ratio. Say there's a set flux ratio, 0. 0.7 to 0. 0.3. Yeah. All glazes are that. I've heard teachers say that, and I've heard students come away with that awareness. And, uh, and then when you tell them that you can make a glaze that is fluxed only with calcium, they just kind of break. <laughs> um, they, uh, I I guess I I just there's there's different ways of uh, I'm confused about what I'm even trying to say at the moment right <laughs> mm -hmm. now, but basically I think there's a lot of different ways to teach it, and the way I tried to teach it was to put my head to the grind and figure out how it had historically been done, look for the holes where I like I didn't understand how that information correlated with my experience of the world as I was like walking through it. And I tried to draw threads between that information and um, really the world as we experience it, you know? That's one thing, one major thing that you taught me at Pratt was that, that the clay actually comes from, like the clay that we use, like in our studio, came from a place. Do you know what I mean? I like didn't even really think about it ever. Even in my glaze, even in my own glaze calc class, like we didn't actually talk about this came from Edgar, Florida. Like we never, that never came up. Is that where your PK comes from? I guess so. Edgar. I have it on a Google map, but like <laughs> Edgar I, I don't need to remember can. it. I got it pinned. I, it's you know? so yeah. crazy though. I was like, oh my God, that's the most important thing I could ever know. The, most important. My favorite thing to start, uh, I think the first day of glaze Calc, my favorite thing is to show a picture of a mountain and say that all you need to make a good piece of pottery is a mountain in, in a few million years. So beautiful. <laughs> you're going to start talking in like crazy poetry in a few years. You're going to be like, and that mountain is just whispers. Yeah. There's this, there's this kind of illusion about like Val Cushing being really poetic that way. Like he would, uh, I guess he'd smoke a pipe when he was teaching like that's just the time that's cool obviously not the <laughs> end of his career but earlier in his career and and um somebody kind of painted this picture of him like saying rutil and then like dragging on his pipe and puffing out a big thing of smoke um what <laughs> i don't know do you do you still do the bubblegum triaxial blend no we haven't we did it twice what oh. is that did you invent that I think so, but everything I've ever thought that I invented, I've found that um, I actually just saw it on Instagram. Okay. Oh, come on. But that, I like that so much because I always have a hard time explaining, like that was just such a good visual way for people to understand what was happening. You would have people chew three different colors of gum. Yeah. And then like... Did you cut it up into like different amounts and chew them together? Yeah, and it was actually really hard to find like good colors. <laughs> yeah. To do it. Is with. that why you stopped doing it? Yeah, it's really hard to find the gum that's good colors for it. Yeah. You know, um, what about it would like be really fun to do chewed? it with cocktails, like where maybe you know a Negroni is. Yeah. Like uh, what is it? Campari, sweet vermouth, and gin. 
But I like, you know, I like to, I like to put a little more gin in mine. But maybe like if you did a volumetric blend, you could really map the flavor space of the, oh. of like. A, <laughs> so it's really just gin on one end. So yeah. your next career as um, mixologist. Yeah, exactly. Your other career as mixologist. Your yeah. What about mix, what about mixologists? That's just, it's really serious. Yeah. Is it still like a big thing here? Yes. I mean, every I high-end restaurant has like a spirit mm. mixologist. Every, you know, Some of them aren't that great. No, I mean... Some ceramicists aren't that great. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's true. Uh, so now that you're like, you're about to have this solo show, um, what are you showing? Um, so I've been working with uh, this art collective, Fort Makers, since I lived here in Brooklyn. And I've done different ceramic projects for them over the last, I guess, five years, um, six, seven years. And um, she'd seen uh, the owner, uh, Nana Spears, she'd seen She'd seen some ceramic cars that I carved out of bricks when I was at a brick factory in Belden, uh, Belden Brick in Ohio when I was in grad school. And so they, this was a cool experience where they, like you go to the brick factory and they just bring a pallet of bricks in and they're just like, do something with these bricks. With like wet clay yeah, bricks? Yeah, wet clay bricks. Cool. And so they're not plastic because it's really hard clay, but you can carve them into things. So I just carved a whole bunch of cars. Um, and then, uh, and then she saw those, and then she she asked me to make some cars at some point, and uh, so I just hand built some ceramic cars for her, and then we're looking back at those pieces, and I built another dozen, and then uh, so the collection will be close to twenty cars that um, that are inspired by vehicles that were like in the parking lot of the high school that I went to in rural Washington when I was in high school. Is there a DeLorean? No, there's no DeLoreans. Is there a Fiero? There is a Fiero. So it's like uh, the premise basically is like, um, is that these aren't the cars that we wanted, but these are the cars that we had. And the way that like, um, I guess I'm thinking about two things that really happened in this real tight time frame where like the internet came to that to that town when I was like about 15 years old. And so we like, and this is a huge disconnect now, but like when you're in a poor rural community, 25 people in your graduating class, oh God, wow. there's real, um, like real slim diversity of thought within the community. Good people, uh, I don't mean to trash talk it, but it is like, uh, it's really specific and uh, those things kind of happened at the same time for me where like the internet came along we had our first home computer which is a packard bell um, i don't know if that even exists anymore yeah. <laughs> and then there uh and then got my first car you know and the way that a car is kind of this thing that allows you to um if you're lucky enough to have one at a young age it allows you to kind of like leave the space and the influence of the space that you're in and you can like travel further and you can see things that that you hadn't seen before and interact with people and for the first time really um really get you can get away with stuff 
like get away from your parents, you know? Yeah. yeah. You can sneak out to the car um, during school assemblies and smoke cigarettes and listen to Tool. Yeah. Was that your thing? <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, I think I, I did do that, but I, <laughs> you know. Did you, I mean, did you drive around Washington with a gun and shoot stop signs and stuff? Or did you, like a BB gun? Or a real gun? Um, I don't really know. All we did was drive around because it's the only way to, it was the only way to get away from anything. So we, it's it's all farm country and uh, definitely it was a weird time. Like kids would go, kids would go hunting before school and they would park their truck in the parking lot and there would be a rifle in the gun rack. Yeah. Um, And this was like 97 and I think it was against the rules then. Yeah. 97 is when I graduated high school. It was against the rules, but it was before, like, um, uh, I guess things are different. Before Columbine. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But um, things are also different in a small communities where, like, families are really close-knit and um, oh, yeah, the people do... Mom's boy. Yeah, people do things the way that their parents did them. And, um, where did you grow up outside of Spokane? 70 miles south of Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, even in, you know, in these, these places where, you know, there's still radio stations that play, like, I don't know, there probably is a radio station like that in, in, in the city here, but, um, like alternative rock is still like really big on the radio there yeah which is weird it's like whatever it is whatever's really cool like now we'll get there it's it's a, it's a time capsule right yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean i didn't even like the town that i grew up in wasn't that small but it's still like when i would go see my cousins in seattle i always felt like i was like a, just a couple years behind like whatever was cool there would get to fargo a couple years later yeah, and when, we had like that was when we even had the internet. We it took huh. it took like I think seven years, I think maybe two wait two or three years for something to be in New York to come to Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, it just would travel throughout Philadelphia, across Pennsylvania, get to Pittsburgh, and get then stuck get in Pittsburgh Cleveland. for yeah. a little bit. I think the internet changed that a lot, but then yeah. Yeah. then also. Um, then also, like, it doesn't really stick until uh, the, like, a radio station, for instance. Um, it doesn't really stick until the people who are coming to age in that era get a little bit older and a little bit nostalgic. Yeah. And then they lie about it. And they're like, I loved Susie and the Banshees. And you yeah, were like, bitch, yeah. you didn't even know who that was. Yeah. Wait, I don't know. What I'm, yeah, I don't That's think. not... <laughs> Wait, how did you end up in at Ohio? Um, so I went to Kansas City for undergrad. Okay. And I guess I can start by saying I got there because I re- I did like a couple, a few community college classes in ceramics. I was a hooligan in Spokane. Cool. Did some community college classes. Spokane's My parents a beautiful city. Were so ready for me near nature, near perfect. Yeah. Is that their slogan? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, no, it is beautiful. I love it. And yeah. they like really cool people. Uh, I wish there was a um, like a academic ceramics career kind of space 
for me in that area. There's just not that much happening. But yeah, um, the community college there, um, they didn't hire me when it was when it was up. <laughs> I applied. Does Gonzaga have ceramics? It does. I didn't know if the search was really. It kind of like seemed like it got feel filled really fast, and I was confused at it. Oh. I, I, got, I feel like I didn't see the posting for some reason, and most postings circulate through Facebook and stuff. And Usually yeah. if you don't see the posting, that means there's an inside candidate. Yeah. Um, they just put on one bolt. Yeah, anyway, so I had, a, I, re, I had an awesome teacher, Lee Ayers, at a community college, and this was like when I was hooliganing around Spokane just doing stupid shit and not holding a job down. Uh, my parents wanted me to get into uh, school so bad that they just let me take whatever I wanted. So I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't pursuing anything. I just took some art classes and uh, the teacher took interest in me. I was making big, crazy, weird sculptures and, um, and uh, I was like, okay, well, what's next? He's like, you should apply for something. Uh, so I talked to some gallerists in town and, and they kind of, uh, they were nice, but they turned me away. And, but someone told me about the Archie Bray and oh. I applied there with just a couple community college classes under my belt and I got a summer residency oh. and they really like the work was terrible the work was terrible but they took a they took a gamble you know on me and then I met people there that had come out of undergrad or on their way to out of undergrad on their way to grad or out of grad on their way to a teaching job and talking to those people like kind of drew me into like what that world kind of was and what those possibilities were and Kansas City seemed like the place I really wanted to go and I, I had to get away from what I was where I was at where I was what I was doing so I like had I had to travel across the country to like go to school I couldn't have gone someplace close when, when were you with Archie Bray Archie that? Bray 2003 was the first time okay. in the summer uh, Kansas that's wild that's awesome yeah Matt Mitros Tyler Lotz Beth Kavanagh Albion Stafford Wow. Um, Jason Walker, wow. Josh DeWeese was the the head at the time. Um, so many cool people. That's so cool. Um, but then when I came out of Kansas City, uh, I really wanted to work with um, Steve Thurston because I'd read his article in Ceramic Technical about <laughs> incorporating digital technologies. So that's how I ended up at OSU. Okay. Oh, I yeah. It's the only place I applied, and I applied there because I wanted to work with him. And, yeah. go, and you wanted to go for free. Yeah, I mean the. I mean. Because they, you got to go for free, right? Listen, Cammy, I couldn't. I couldn't Cranbrook. go to Camp Cranbrook. I couldn't afford it. No, I couldn't either. Yeah. That's a real problem for me. <laughs> That's been a real problem. They have fellowship now, though, yeah. right? That's. They. Have, I think they have a good fellowship now. They yeah. do. Yeah. I, I, so I went there to work with Stephen Thurston, and then uh, his um, partner at the time, Rebecca Harvey, and then MJ Bowl. And then once I was there, I really, um, uh, I really ended up working a lot with MJ Bowl. She um, she was an she used to work at the Cleveland Art Institute. She's a force of nature. Right? She's a wild animal. Her work is amazing. Yeah. I don't know. And she's fun. It reminds me now as I'm starting to like look for jobs and like thinking about, I guess, two things like Carrie Esser and George Timok at Kansas City. They had a wonderful dynamic. They were friends and they like they enjoyed working together. 
And then uh, MJ Bowl is like, uh, she's whip smart, critical, but also like just generally fun. Yeah. And I feel like as I'm starting to look at the landscape and what's going on out there and teaching positions in places like um, thinking about who I want to work with, I kind of just want to work with people that are fun. Yeah. Well, I went to where I went to undergrad the like the whole art department, at least as an undergrad, seemed to get along really well. Like a, a lot of them would like, like some of them would like take trips together and it makes for such a like I'm sure it's better when you're there working but it just makes for a better environment what's your favorite thing to do now that's not ceramics you kind of get into cooking or your cat or yeah I think that um, your kid I guess yeah. now you got yeah you have a, a new kid yeah that's all I that's all I do when it I first like, like what's your hobby your kid it, it kind of that's really the truth of it but um uh, I think wherever you're at, and I'm in a weird rural place right now, um, and um, and wherever I'm at or wherever we're at, like me and my partner and my, I can't say newborn anymore, almost toddler, almost walking, he's nine months old. Wow. Um, like wherever you're at, you like try to f- figure out what you can do that's fun. So we have a spot that we go out to in the forest, and we walk the same trail, and we it's nice to walk the same trail through a forest through all the seasons and really like see what's hap- happening there. Uh, but we've like foraged for mushrooms out there. The big thing right now that's coming up soon in Alfred is that uh, the sap is going to start running. Ooh. So oh. Cartwright's Maple Tree Inn is open. Yeah. And then um, I'm going to wait till my mom, my mom's going to visit soon and we're going to go while she's in town because I I can only I I like the idea of it of yeah. a pancake but it ruins my whole day if I eat pancakes for, sure. for breakfast I can't and the, do anything. those pancakes are dense so I'll go once a year I've seen yeah. a guy eat 12 of them that's disgusting yeah I went with Henry Christman and he the whole time was trying to convince me that we were in a eating a pancake eating competition and he just ate as many as he could while he ate like three he's are um, they that good I thought they were okay. It was a fun. No, thing they're to good do. pancakes, and it's like real maple syrup. We had to wait outside yeah. in the cold, which is why they were just okay. Yeah, yeah. It it's uh it's weird. Like there are a couple restaurants out there. This Cartwright's Maple Tree Inn. That's like you're driving out to the middle of nowhere with someone that you don't know very well because you've all arrived in this little town yeah. together. And you're like you're contemplating whether or not they're taking you out to kill you or something. Right, yeah. But then you you're still out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden there's this restaurant with a line of a hundred people out the door, just yeah. in the middle of. Um, and then another one that's really great out there is the Killbuck. Did you go to the Killbuck? I don't think so. I think it is like this. Uh, I think there's an historical precedence for supper clubs that do uh, fish fries on Friday nights and then prime rib on the weekends. Oh, cool. And it's really what this place is. Taxidermy, yeah. wood paneled. Nice. If you walk in there, um, everyone looks and sees that you're not someone who's there every weekend, you know? Yeah. Like, well, I used to go with every now and again with Jonas Sabura to places because he grew up out there. Ah. And then we would walk in. And people recognized them. And I feel like people were a lot nicer to us in those, like, little... When we go somewhere for, like, wing night. Yeah. Uh, are you still 3D printing stuff? I am. Um, 
I've, I haven't been posting. That's an interesting thing. Uh, I haven't been posting process shots at all. Um, but I've been working on uh, a new machine to. I, yeah, you posted like a picture of some wires or something. Yeah, so I, I've been doing a lot of wiring, but um, I I kind of built a new control box um, for this machine that's gonna do some stuff a little bit differently. But um, I guess uh, I got. I was posting really aggressively on Instagram a lot with, uh, you know, I have the Instagram handle early American robot pottery. Yeah. And it started out as like a joke, this kind of thing where like, what if you can just kind of claim a space in history by like saying that like what your thing is this thing. Yeah. Um, and it really, at the same time, it kind of was that thing too, or like it's a category of things that like what I was doing could fit into. Um, it's also like super like there is like early American pottery is a thing, right? Yeah um, But I haven't been posting because Instagram became this weird thing where it's like a, I think even as like an artist posting works that um, it is like a uh, It's a kind of um, Technological war like who can get to the who can get to this thing first and yeah. kind of claim ownership of it. But then kind of as soon as you put it up on Instagram, then uh, especially something like some a technique of 3D printing or something yeah. that can kind of by the sa a savvy mind can like kind of dissect how you got there and just kind of take it and run with it. Yeah. So it's like, um, for me, I think really the printer is not the, the printer is not the goal. The printer is not like the art. The art is like the objects that are made by the printer. And for me, the printer has to be kind of crappy. And I'm trying to get it so the objects are kind of crappy. Okay. So like they're a little bit less controlled. But um, yeah, um, and really the push is so, to kind of try to defy this kind of monoculture of like the aesthetic of what a 3D printer or 3D printing clay like looks like. I think there's other artists who are doing this too. I'm not like claiming like invention or, but I think um, it's easy when the, the tool becomes ubiquitous. You can go to Inseca, there's a bunch of booths now where you can just buy a 3D printer and then like you can be a 3D printing, 3D printing clay and you can uh, sell your pots on Etsy or whatever. Yeah. But it's funny to think about like how, um, so many people have done a lot of, there's a, f a handful of artists who've done like a lot of legwork and to get to that point when it wasn't easy, you know? So yeah. it's kind of thinking about like what that next step is, you know? I feel like with 3D printing that you'll be able to, you know, in historically like look back and be like, that's from August of 2018. Because the tech, yeah. like everything... Yeah. It just forwards so fast that it's like there's no time to actually even enjoy the the the, the novelty of yeah, it. Yeah, so or... it's like the novelty. By the time I learn Fusion three sixty, which yeah. is what I'm, if that's what it's even called, I'm not even sure because they probably, probably else, changed no. the name already. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time I learn it, and then it's going to be like over and something else. So it's like this. Do you feel the pressure of constantly keeping up with technology? Um. John Henry? 
I used John Henry as like an analogy in in in, in uh, my first job interview at Alfred for a job that I didn't get, which ended up meaning that I took the job at Pratt, which is interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess this is what I think. I think I think that um, I've I have some sort of intellectual interest in like how we interface with technology and um, how tools create this interface between us and like material at times. Um, uh, I grew up playing Super Mario Brothers, and I'm of that generation that kind of did, and that played video games through school, and like we saw like graphics go from 8-bit to 16 to 32, and then full 3D, and then like we're, so I'm of this like kind of maybe this first generation of human beings that have spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours living in simulated worlds. Um, so it might just be playing Call of Duty or like uh, other first person kind of games like that, but I feel like there's this group of makers that are in my age range that like are really like, um, have been thinking about these things since childhood. Um, and I'm interested to see what they do. I remember the piece Cory Archangel did with the Nintendo cartridge, which was kind of a deception. But um, he uh, he created this like Nintendo cartridge for the Super Mario Brothers game, not a ceramic art piece, um, but it's a kind of a glitch art or a hack art kind of piece where the cartridge is hacked so that you take this landscape that is um, very goal oriented. Your normal interface with the landscape is that you're this little character running left to right jumping over things, hitting your head on blocks, and uh, just trying to get to the end of this pole and to get through the levels and to save the princess. Um, and then to um, what Cory Archangel did is he eliminated everything from that landscape except for the blue sky and the clouds floating by. Mm -hmm. So it creates this space where you're actually like, uh, where you just kind of, you're sitting there and watching and all the goals are like on pause or like non-existent. Um, I was playing a game last year, uh, Far Cry Primal, which is kind of it goes back to Sapiens, where like you're you're kind of like doing this, you're you're a hominid or whatever, <laughs> and uh, you're an early human, and there's different kind of bands of humans and stuff. But one thing that games are doing more and more is that they're more efficient at really simulating simulating the world that we see or as we see it, and so it's really funny on a sunny day to be sitting inside you know, running through a beautiful forest that's simulated on the screen and then to look out the window and realize that I could really just like go right out there. I mean, I think uh, everyone wants that like sublime feeling of like being overpowered by the beauty of something that you're like witnessing. Like people that climb mountains. I can't imagine, you might, you might say that like it's not something that's really interests you, but like walking through like a beautiful, I don't know if you've been to like the Redwood Forest. Of course, yeah. Or to like to Zion or something like that. So I guess the short answer is no, you don't feel stressed out by technology. Uh, I feel incredibly stressed out by technology. Um, I guess what I was getting to is um, that... Um, I guess I was getting to that my motivations are for working with um, digital technologies and clay are largely, they're largely like my intellectual curiosity is kind of playing out in the studio, just following my interest. 
Do we have any more last questions for Keith? Any last final? Do you, is there anything that you wish you would have talked about that's like hitting you now? Wish that I would have talked about. I mean, there's a good chance that this will define your career. I feel like I talked too much. Favorite studio snacks. Oh, we have like, yeah. oh yeah, let's ask like the base questions. Yeah. Can we just do that really quick? Yeah. Okay, what's your favorite tool? Favorite tool? Well, I, I really like a paddle, but I also, for mold making, I really like just a dowel that is just sharp and whittled with a knife to make like a little wedge at the end. Wait, what's that for? What? Just for like, kind of like doing the edge oh. of the clay work. I, I really like tools that like that could have existed at like any time. Like there's not a trick to it. Yeah. I'm kind of just tired of ceramic tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, do you listen to podcasts or music in the studio, or neither? Mus music. <laughs> yeah, music exclusively. Um, mostly great. Mostly like women artists right now. I'm really into Solange in the studio. Oh whoa. Gus, Beyonce or Solange? I don't know who Solange is. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what is the best clay body? Oh, wow. Wait, I, I think, no. I, I don't think, believe in like higher. Yeah, that's what I think bodies. we should. I yeah. think we should ask though what I asked Cammie one time, which is if you could only work with one clay body. Yeah. And like be as specific as you can about it. What would what would it be? Do you think one clay body and be specific as I can? Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want with the clay body. Yeah. <laughs> um. Like maybe you want to pick a high fire clay so you can fire it, you know, in a wood kiln, then also raku on the weekends. That Georgia clay that you love so much. Yeah, I think Lysel is a great clay, like on its own. But I think what what I like in a clay. Um, I do some ca slip casting work, and maybe that's a little bit different, but what I like in a clay is I like it to put up a little bit of a fight. I don't want mm. it to be the most appeasing, most plastic clay. You don't feel like you earned it? I don't know if I feel like I earned it, but like there's something to like that pinch pot thing where you start with a ball and you're trying to make this thing, and depending on what clay it is that you're like trying to pinch out into this form, you have to like pay attention to how it moves and push on it in a different way, and like that's what's... I guess in hand building, like I, I'm interested in like something that puts up a little bit of a fight. Yeah. Yeah. So, really quick, what do you do with Lysella? You actually just make it into a clay and build stuff with it? Lysella just mixed with water is a really good clay. Yeah. Um, but it we is have a like, big bag of it because Ander is my brother and yeah. Danny Dixon got really excited about it That's probably fine. because of you. Danny got excited about it when we were at. Pratt. and um, so I got a little bit there but it was like it's really expensive but if you get it right from the guys there's a great video on YouTube yeah I think it's like um, this lady named Diane or something but she's like it's Diane's travels it's like almost yeah. like she put up the video as though she was going to have this thing where oh, it's kind of like starting a podcast yeah. that like never really goes anywhere <laughs> But it's like she put and up a couple videos. We have an videos. Instagram, okay? But she visited the she visited the Lizella factory and is like talking to this guy, and she like misunderstands like everything he says. Cool, it's really good. Um, and then the two guys that work there, they sound exactly the same. So if you get them on the phone, you don't really know. They also have a Facebook page, which is like it's just Lizella. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So cool. 
The uh, Lysella is really great just on its own, but um, I really like it as a cone six body. If you're in a studio where there's a bunch of wet slop reclaim yeah. from throwing water, like just one bucket of that gross slop, screen the band-aids and hair out of it, uh-huh. and you put that in your soldner, and then you just put as much Lysella to make it into a clay, and then it's like... It's beautiful. Clay. Yeah. Wait, should I go dark clay or light clay? Would it, would it be dark? As far as, the, as far as the reclaim. I just think about like the leftover basic stoneware throwing clay that we have oh, in Alfred. And like, like I was trying to figure out ways of getting rid of that liquid slop because it's kind of hard to get rid of. Yeah. Um, I like that. Uh, Holy Grail Pottery Wheel. Holy Grail Pottery Wheel. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about what kind of pottery wheel would be right for me. Do you own a pottery I don't, wheel? I don't own a pottery wheel, and I think it's because the one that I want doesn't exist. Uh, but um, I think uh, there's this thing that's going around where there's, there's companies selling little tiny pottery wheels right <laughs> now. But I think really what what we really what I'd like is something with like an eight inch head. Yeah. Like anything that you could throw would have a foot that could like land on that and a bat that size, and if it could kind of like be a standing wheel, um, it has existed. I've seen pictures of them in like workshops and like stuff or something. Make a little tabletop wheel. Well, I think you need to you need a small. I would like a small head. Uh huh. And then I would like it to, like, mount onto a table. Okay. So that it wasn't, like, a little rinky-dink thing that uh-huh. sat on the top and it had a picture of a kid, like, yeah, yeah. throwing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of those that, like, uh, you know when you buy a record player, like, direct drive's a big thing where the mm-hmm. motor is direct to the thing. And most record players have, like, a little rubber band. Yeah. So I would say, like, not a rubber band. Okay. You know? I think when I was at Kent State University, we had a standing treadle wheel. I think you could just take that and put a motor on it and replace the head and then you're good yeah you should be a technician nah hey this was fun this was so fun thank you so much for being on our podcast thanks and your show starts march 19th march 19th is the open opening it's uh 38 i think the address is right is correct 38 orchard street it's definitely on orchard street in uh manhattan Hey, one more time from the top. Yay, Gus, hi. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, Cammie. Great to see you. Great to see see you, too. I'm still in my bedroom, Cammie. I'm still in my studio. It's like nothing's changed. Um, What did you think about Keith? It was good. It was good talking to him. He's such a smart guy. He's one of my favorite people next to, there's like a line of people. Yeah. Um, But he's, he's in the top 10 or 20. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good group up there though. That yeah. Top yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was great. It was great to talk to him. Uh, his show has been moved online. Um, so it doesn't look like there are images up yet, but go on to fortmakers.com. Um, and soon there should be images of his work for his current show. Um, and take a look, look under the artist tab and, and look at Keith's um, little tab there. There's some really good info about Keith and how he makes his work. Um, yeah. And, and then you can follow him. You can follow him on Instagram. At, yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Early American Robot Pottery. Yeah. And yeah. And Gus, we did another. We did it again. Good job. 
You did another episode? Yeah. Wow. We're really... When are we coming back? Probably in another week. Soon. Great. High five, Gus. Cool. I can't. Virtual high five. Okay. Later. See you soon. Bye.